Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Shane Tenney. Last week was, uh, at the altar was amazing. We've had some testimonies of people getting healed, people getting set free. If you got healed or set free physically or spiritually last week, can you wave at me? We got a number of hands. Amen. And right now what comes to mind is Mark 9, uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 23, anything is uh, possible to him who believes. And tonight is a, is a night for the impossible. I mean, anytime we gather in the presence of the Lord, it's, it's a night for the impossible, amen? Because when he shows up, he shifts the atmosphere. He changes the spiritual temperature in the room. And all the focus comes to him. I told you guys a story last week about... Um, I was preaching a message that the Lord gave me, and it wasn't even on healing. <clears throat> and it was really about fresh fire. And when I laid my hand on this gentleman, God actually reattached his bicep back to his arm. And that man is right there in the room. If you want to wave your hand, Phil. Now, funny story is when I laid hands on him, the Holy Ghost hit him so hard that he fell. I mean, he went backwards. And my initial reaction was to go catch him. You see the size of him. He's the size of an offensive lineman. And I thought in that moment, the gift of wisdom came to me and said, Shane, hold on. <laughs> but it was wonderful. He got up and his arm, his bicep was reattached. And man, he got to go to work. And it was just a beautiful moment in the Lord. And I just want to say that while the message isn't necessarily on healing tonight, if you need a healing, the Lord is in the room. The healer is in the room. When he shows up, he shifts the atmosphere. He heals. It's his will to heal because it's out of his love. And he is perfect love. You guys in John chapter 2? All right, let's go to word and prayer. Lord, we just thank you for your presence tonight. And we just turn our affections to you, Jesus. We just ask that you would have your glory tonight. Our focus is on you. And I bind any spirit of apathy and any spirit of complacency in this house in Jesus' name. Because we want more of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I've had this word for about a year when uh, Brian and I first began to really develop our relationship. Uh, the Lord gave me a dream back in July, which I'll get to later. But I really had this word for about a year. And as the year progressed... And that's why it's a good thing to actually sit on words and pray them out. Because as it progressed and as the landscape and the country begin to change and as, as my relationship began to develop here at Victory and just having the culture and, and getting you know, into the culture of revival and awakening and just what the Lord was doing in the nation, the dream in this word really made more sense. This is a word for this house tonight. I want to let you know, this isn't just to have a service. This isn't just Saturday night gathering. Tonight is a night when victory goes to another level. Tonight is a night when you're, and you in your individual lives go to another level in the Lord because the Lord does not want you to stay in the same place. The Lord wants you to go glory to glory and faith to faith. Tonight is going to be a night of renewal, fresh fire, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Healing, delivers, whatever you need. The Lord is here. He's in this room. John chapter 2, verse 1 says, On the third day, 
There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. I want to pause. I just love that part of scripture. Jesus tells his mother, what does that have to do with me? Mary totally ignores him, looks at the servants and says, whatever he does, do it. But you know, that's faith. She knew that her son was going to listen. Verse 6, now there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water, pot, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now the Lord's words, they're eternal, they're prophetic, and they're life. He is the Alpha, He's the Omega. He is the beginning, He is the end. He knows the beginning from the end and everything that is eternally threaded in between. He is the one who our, who our being consists of. You know what I'm saying? He's the reason why we're here. He is the reason why we set our affections on the Most High. Here in this testimony of Scripture, this is one of the Lord's first recorded miracles. And I think it's so neat that how it prophetically speaks of what the Lord is going to do in the last days. Believe it or not, in this miracle of Him turning water into wine, it prophetically speaks of in the last days when he pours out the new wine and we experience awakening. Amen. This is a house of revival and awakening. We long for a revival culture. We long for awakening. We long to see Jesus get what he paid for. We long to see the Father glorified. We long to see the name of Jesus exemplified in our community. We are living in the greatest era of time. I believe that my generation and even this generation is a generation of Jacob. We will see the coming of the Lord. Everything is prophetically being put in place now for our Messiah's return. Amen. I scream out, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come. And the spirit and the bride say, come. He is our blessed hope. That is what we look to. He, that, that is what our faith is foundational in, is, is looking for the resurrected Christ to come back. His resurrection is what birthed our faith. And now that his return is what anticipates our hope. It's his hope. It's his hope that he gave to us by him making a promise that he will come back. He says, in my father's house, are many mansions. I, he said before that, I go to prepare a place for you. He's coming back. 
We are living in the greatest time that history has ever known. I'm not putting a date or an hour, but I'm just saying before my life ends, I believe that I'm getting caught up. And I believe that with my heart. I believe that with every fiber in my being. I think about that nonstop. I want to tell you that is on my, that is something I'm actually infatuated with. Not in an unhealthy way. I get it. We have to plan for the future, right? We have to make the rent payment, the mortgage payment. If the Lord tarries, we need a retirement. I'm not saying that we should just live reckless and not be good steward with the Lord's money that he gives us. But what I'm saying is our focus and our time here on earth should be looking for the return of Christ. That is, he is our blessed hope. We have no hope in this world without him. And there is going to be a day when that sky parts and he steps out of heaven and redeems man back to himself and the physical. We've seen a spiritual war break out globally in the last 18 months. The Antichrist system is increasing. The earth is groaning. And what we are about to see is the increase of the sons and daughters that will be revealed in these last days that God is going to use to raise a standard against the wickedness, the filth, and the flood of deception that is trying to plague this earth. I believe that with my heart that we're going to see fire and glory in these next coming days. We've had periods of awakening and revival, but nothing will compare to what God has already started. We're not waiting for awakening. Awakening is already here. The Lord is waiting for the laborers to go out in the harvest. The harvest is bountiful and ready. This testimony in scripture is prophetically speaking of the end time revival that we are going to see. The Lord and his disciples are at this wedding where the celebration runs out of wine. Now I want you to listen with your spirit here and look at this scripture prophetically. The servants must have not accounted the cost. The servants of the wedding, they ran out of wine. Can you imagine being at a wedding, being hired to this wedding, and you're in charge of having all the supplies and you run out of the thing that everybody wants. I don't know if they didn't count the cost. I don't know if they were reckless and filled the cups up too much. I don't know if some were spilled and wasted. But long story short, they ran out of wine. Wine was distributed in the celebration of the bride and the bridegroom. And for whatever reason, they ran out. Look at this prophetically. The celebration when Jesus came, you guys with me? When Jesus came, he was the bridegroom. His death, his resurrection, it married the bride. There was an espouse, right? There was an engagement. There was a transaction in the spirit in this moment where God's people had become a spouse to Christ. We're the bride of Christ looking for our bridegroom. The wine resembles the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost that the bridegroom was responsible to supply at the wedding. It was the bridegroom's responsibility to hire the head servant of the wedding to supply the things for the wedding, for the celebration. It was Jesus' responsibility to send the Holy Spirit. You guys catching this? To send the Holy Spirit 
to endue his people with power to keep them, to empower them to go out and preach the gospel and to set and tell them about Jesus. You picking up what I'm putting down? Like I stated earlier, we've had periods of renewal, but it seems that the body of Christ falls into this trap of complacency and we become satisfied with good services. We catch the spark given, but we neglect to fan the flame to consume the sacrifice. For far too long, the wedding guests have been satisfied with half-filled cups, just having a taste of heavenly wine, but never becoming fully intoxicated with the kingdom's passion. I want you to catch that. I feel that's coming from the Spirit of God in these last days. Do not be satisfied with just a half a cup of the anointing. Be fully intoxicated with the Holy Ghost and fire. With the fire of His love. With the fire of His holiness. Be fully intoxicated with heaven's passion. With heaven's agenda. We have been between wines for too long. Right now in this moment, the servants in this, in this testimony, the servants in today is passing out the new wine. We've been caught up for so long between wines. What we are witnessing is some being caught on what the father did in the old times past that they are missing what he is beginning to do now. There has been a massive shift in the spirit in the favor of the saints. Look at verse 3 and 4 again. He says, and they ran out of wine. And the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And this story, he heeds the voice of his mother. But I want to tell you in the last days, he's going to heed the voice of his bride. He's going to heed the voice of his bride. We have been crying out for the new wine. We have been crying out for the anointing. And Jesus is saying, what is that concern to me? My hour has not yet come. But I want to tell you, the resurrected Messiah is going to do the same thing he did in this story. He's going to heed the voice of his bride. As we begin to build prayer and intercession unto the Lord, he is going to begin to pour out the new wine on the earth. He's going to listen to his bride. He cares about his bride. When his bride cares about his agenda, I was in my prayer closet probably a couple of weeks ago just enjoying the Lord. I got in there and I was going to just begin to work on the message that the Lord had given me. Because I've had this message for a year, but I never wrote it down. When God imprints something on your heart, it just stays there until you have to write it out, right? But I just got in there and honestly, the Lord just walked in the room. I didn't see him, but you know, when the Lord walks in the room, there's, there's a presence. There's a shift. There's a warmness. There's that peace, right? I'm not talking about chills and thrills. I'm talking about the actual living God walking in your room and everything just stops. Time doesn't matter anymore because the person who made time is there. Nothing else is important. He grabbed my attention. He grabbed my heart. He grabbed my focus. Yeah. 
And the Lord said to me, I am very jealous and I am very zealous for my bride. He said, for far too long, there's been robbers and thieves who's taken advantage of my bride, but I am cleansing that. He says, I'm very zealous for my bride. And there's going to be a time when the bride reciprocates that zealousness for me. And when that happens, the heavens over the globe is going to open. In verse 6, he talks about six water parts of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews. I submit this to you. Preparation was needed. He told the servants to do something. Preparation was needed. They had to take these six water pots and fill them. Fill them with water. Remember what Mary said. Whatever he says to do, do it. Preparation was needed. And then he said, fill the water pots. There were six water pots there. And I, this is what I want to submit. There's seven continents in the earth, but only six can be habited by people. I feel like the Lord showed me in this testimony that these six water pots resemble the six continents that revival will break out. And the water that he is talking about here is prayer. Prayer and intercession. He says, fill it with water and fill it to the brim. The Lord taught me a lesson this past year. My wife and I, from mid-2018 to right to the beginning of COVID, I think we were only at our home church maybe five times. We were traveling, preaching everywhere in Florida. We were going to Indiana. We were seeing great things that the Lord was doing. And in that moment, I was like, man, it's, it's going to happen. I'm about, the Lord's about to kick us into full-time ministry. But right then COVID hit. And then the pow pow from Papa hit. I got caught up in the old religious system. Just began to study the word to get a sermon and not study the word to capture the heart of God. I was almost indoctrinated by religion. I'll never forget when Jeremiah Johnson were having those meetings with Tracy Cook during the COVID outbreak. They had Tracy Cook down there. Those meetings changed Janique and I's life. I'll never forget. That's when the Lord began to deal with me. And praying one morning, he just told me to stop, turn in my credentials and leave. I was one step away from being ordained in the fellowship, the denomination that I was in. And the Lord said, leave that. When I left, so did all the opportunities to go preach. Before you know it, Janique and I were labeled false, uh, false prophets because we were casting demons out of Christians. You know, <clears throat> you read that in scripture and you're like, that is nuts. How could, how could anybody say that? I mean, it's, listen, if you've ever been around when a demon is getting cast out of a person, you know exactly what is going on. And you know exactly that the finger of God can do that. Jesus says, if I come and cast out demons, I do it by the finger of God. And you know that the kingdom of God has come. Deliverance is a physical manifestation of the kingdom's power. We were slandered, doors were shut, 
Even by pastors that my wife and I actually did deliverance on. It's all good. We love them. We bless them. But he taught me something because at that moment, I was so used to preaching every weekend, even through some of the midweeks. And it just dried up. And the Lord told me you were just studying the word to get a sermon. You weren't studying in the word to catch my heart. I want to tell you that broke my heart. It did something to me. It changed me. He brought me into this wonderful house. He brought us into this wonderful house. And one of the roughest times, in one of the roughest times of my life, one of the darkest, I had just turned in my credentials. My wife has a miscarriage. A spiritual father dies all in the same week. And I show up to victory. And I get blessed by your love. You guys help so much in the spiritual healing of my soul. And I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for Pastor Brian and Brent and Pastor Brent. I'm thankful. But it came by obedience. When the Lord said, I don't want you to go back, I literally stopped everything and did not go back. This was the second house I walked in because I told the Lord, I don't want to just hop around church. I don't want to get on their website and see what we believe because it's fake anyways. I went to churches and say, oh yeah, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. But in one hour, you got to get up out of here. I don't want you preaching those 25 minute, I want you only preaching 25 minute messages because you know the butt can only take what the ear can, or the ear can take only what the butt can take, right? But they can go and watch two hours of Fifty Shades of Grey in the movie theater and think nothing of it. There's something wrong. That is not the Holy Ghost. The Lord taught me a lesson. He taught me that the most important component of my ministry is not standing up here preaching or prophesying. It's what people don't see. Prayer and intercession. I'm telling you, that's one of the most important ministries that a person can have is when they're in their prayer closet, they sit before the Lord at his feet and they catch the heart of God. And let me tell you something. The proof is in the pudding. You can tell if somebody has caught the heart of God. You can tell. There's a difference. Even a dog can tell when somebody's sincere. The Lord taught me a lesson. And it was catching his heart. And this is what the Spirit is saying in these verses. He's saying that our obedience has to be radical. PB said that, I believe, at the beginning of the year, right? Radical obedience. That's a word for this house. You have to have obedience that is radical in these last days. You have to. With the cancel culture. With the spirit of this world coming after people, if they stand against wickedness, you have to have radical obedience because radical obedience will produce godly boldness. Jesus says, fill it to the brim. Fill it up. It's a picture when prayer and intercession becomes the focal point in the nations. It's when it becomes globally. Preparation was needed to steward the new wine. Preparation is needed now to steward the new wine of awakening and revival. The Lord has been cleansing his, his bride from the robbers and the thieves. And he's been setting doorkeepers and true shepherds in his house. And what that's going to do is going to transform the house of God from a service station into houses of prayer and houses of glory and houses of encounters.
has been preparing the new wineskin. You in Mark 2? I want you to follow along. This is Bible. He's preparing the new wineskin. He has been preparing in these last 18 months as far as what's been quickened in my spirit to really steward what he's going to do in these last days. Mark 2, we'll start in verse 18. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. And when they came and said to him, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. This is, this is the scriptures that I want you to, f- to focus in on. Listen with your spirit on this. Verse 21, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. Declare out of your mouth, I'm a new wineskin. Wine the disciples of John and, Pharisee, and the Pharisees were not discerning what the Lord was doing or what he had come to do. They were looking at the end picture. They were looking at the end picture of the Messiah's return when he takes vengeance and executes great wrath on the Father's enemies and liberates Israel from Gentiles' rule. They were looking at the goal, but they didn't pay attention to the process. They neglected to listen or to discern the process. Let's not make that same mistake. They missed the fact that the eternal Son of God had come to redeem us and deliver us from sin, death, and disarm Satan through the Lord's life, death, and resurrection. And if we are not careful in these last days, we will make the same mistake if we view the resurrected Messiah through the lens of old expectation. Some of y'all need to hear that again. And this is the truth. You will miss what the Lord is going to do and what has already started to do. If you view what he is going to do or view him through the lens of an old expectation of him. That's the problem with America. That's the problem with the bride of Christ right now in America. As we look at Jesus as tickle me, Jesus, tickle my ear. Tell me what I want to hear. We don't want to be a bond servant. We're a son, we're a daughter, but we're also a bondservant to the Lord. Our obedience has to be radical unto the Lord. We have to pay attention to what the Lord is doing in these last days. We have to be tuned in with what the Spirit is saying. We have to have our spiritual antennas tuned into the frequency of heaven and not the world. If you was here Tuesday night, you would have heard Mark say, if you're not hearing from the Lord, you're hearing from the world. And the carnal mind is an enemy against God. What are you having your mind subjected to? What is going through your filter? Who are you listening to? 
Where is your source? What standard of truth are you putting that up to? We can't view God and what he's going to do through our expectations. Let go of old expectations and look to the new and what the Lord's going to do. Because he's been preparing us through prayer and intercession and perseverance. And we've been going through growing pains. Growing pains hurt, but they're necessary to grow. Like anybody else in this room, I was sorely disappointed last November. Sorely disappointed in January. But the Lord grabbed a hold of my attention. He gripped my heart on what he is doing. And I'm thankful for a leader that stands in this pulpit and speaks what the Lord is saying. Gives us the broader picture of what is really going on and why the Lord is delaying. The Lord's never late. He's forming the new wineskin. He's working on our expectations. He's showing that our timing isn't necessarily his timing. But his timing is perfect. Because when he steps on the scene and manifests his glory, it's going to be demonstrated in great power and great victory. Old wineskins and new wineskins. I'm sure my older saints in here have heard this many a times. But wineskins were made out of animal skin. And what they would do is they would actually stretch as the new wine, the wine, fermented. There wasn't grape juice. It was wine. That was a laughing point. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. You guys with me? Old wineskins were stretched to their limit, and the new wine would tear the old as the new wine would ferment. It would tear the old ways of doing things. That's why the Lord didn't pump in new wine into old wineskins. Because the old wineskins were already stretched to its limit. And it takes new wineskins to go ahead and expand and stretch as the new wine ferments, as the new wine gets ready. You guys seeing this prophetically? New wineskins stretch as the new wine ferments. Father is stretching us in perseverance and timing. And are in expectation. Father is stretching us in different spheres of influence to be a witness and an agent of anointing to tear down the high places of that mountain. Father is stretching us to pioneer and to plow the fallow ground and to plant seed for heaven's rain so that the harvest would yield its increase. This awakening is not going to look like what we had planned. We're not just going to be in a building filled to capacity having these wonderful services. That will be a component. But this great awakening is in the secular realm. When it begins to reveal the fear of the Lord in our government. When it begins to, when it begins to reveal the fear of the Lord in our school boards. When it begins to reveal the fear of the Lord in our medical field. In our hospitals. In our radio stations, over in Silicon Valley, is when the glory of the Lord begins to fall on each mountain. It's not just Christian kumbaya and we clap our hands and 
we pat each other on the back. And man, didn't the Holy Ghost show up? You know, the Holy Ghost wants to show up on Main Street in Sarasota the same way he shows up here at Victory. You know, when the Lord delivers you out of sin here at Victory or delivers you out of your sickness or delivers you out of your demons, he wants to do the same thing on Main Street. He wants to do the same thing in the White House. He wants to do the same thing in Planned Parenthood. He wants to do the same thing in schools through the kids. Father is stretching us. We are in the infant stages of filling the nations with prayer and intercession. We're filling the water pots with the water. We're filling the water pots with the water. This is the stage that we're in. We're filling the water pots with the water. We're filling the nation. We're filling the bowls in heaven with intercession and incense. As the incense rises before our God and before our King, He orders an angel to take that smoldering fire and throw it to the earth, right? And then there's thunderings, and then there's lightning, and then there's noises, and then there's demonstrations of great power. We're beginning to be transformed Taking it one level to another. The past year, we've been praying. We've been interceding. But now the Lord's saying it's time for action. It's time to put our prayers in action. Faith without works is dead. The Lord is telling the bride of Christ in America, your works has to be manifested in these mountains. That's the only way we can tear Jezebel out of her high place is when a Christian stands in their position, stands in their sphere of influence, and becomes a witness, and becomes a conduit of anointing, and speaks what the Lord is saying. I don't know why I'm doing this so much. Remember, if I do this, it's also this. The Lord is going to begin to take us now from filling the water pots and drawing out and bringing it to the master of the feast. Remember this testimony. He said, fill the water pots, fill them to the brim, and then draw out and take it to the master of the feast. There's obedience, radical obedience, even when it looks stupid, even when you feel funny. If the Lord says it, do it. It's as simple as that. The Lord says it, do it. If the Lord says it, do it. It doesn't matter how silly you look. If the Lord says it, do it. The Lord tells you to get away from the, the Lord says it, do it. The Lord tells you to quit your job and go to another one. The Lord says it, do it. If the Lord says go speak to that person in public, the Lord says it, do it. The Lord says join the house fire evangelism team and go out on Main Street and win this. The Lord says it, do it. We're beginning to go into the stage of drawing out of the water pots. The preparation was needed. We've been in preparation mode. Now we're in drawing out mode. It's time to go from one level of faith to the next. And it takes action. It takes work. It takes obedience. When I came to Victory, I had a dream. On July 6th of 2020. And if you actually remember... July 5th of 2020, 
Black Lives Matter shut down the Ringling Bridge in a protest. It's very prophetic. It's one of these God dreams. And I did submit this to Brian. So this isn't just me out in left field. But I had a dream and I seen the Statue of Liberty coming out of the water at the John Ringling Bridge. And as she was coming out of the water, she began to look over the city of Sarasota. If I could picture it, it would be like me sitting on her shoulder and her rising out of this water over the bridge. And if you ever went over the John Ringland Bridge at night, you could see the Sarasota city skyline and just how beautiful it was. That's, what I, that's, that's that picture. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the city of Sarasota. And as this Statue of Liberty begins to come out of the water, and go high above the city. I look up and I see the torch. And it was on fire. A magnificent burning flame of fire. And it stuck out to me because it was just like a fire I've never seen before. But it was beautiful. It lit up the entire sky. About a week or two later, a prophet, a well-known prophet, you might have heard of him, Jeremiah Johnson. He had this similar dream. I never forget when he had this dream because so many people were tagging me in his message. But he seen the Statue of Liberty underwater. And the water was right between, right under her nose. But where the dream is similar is he saw the torch as well. And it was on fire. And it was still up. And then on July 23rd, was caught in recording in New York City. Lightning struck the Statue of Liberty. It's all within three weeks, guys. What the Lord was saying here, and what I believe he was speaking to the bride, is that America would come up to her nose in the flood of deception and wickedness. Remember, this is before the election. That America would come up to her nose in flood in the flood of deception and wickedness. Up to your nose. If you've ever been water and it's been right there, you get a little nervous. But the fire of God would strike. The fire of God would strike the nation and she would come out of that water in victory, energized by the mighty working power of the Holy Ghost with the light burning as bright as can be. That torch is the light of God illuminating the city of Sarasota. But it's so much bigger than just Sarasota. It's globally. It's in this nation. God has not given up on America. He has not thrown America to the wayside because there is still a remnant who is burning hot in prayer, interceding day and night, night and day before a holy God. There's a bride who understands her authority, who understands the power and her assignment and the fact that she is a doorkeeper to America. Church of the living God in the United States of America, you are the doorkeeper of America. You are what's standing in the way of America and the Antichrist agenda fully manifesting. 
There is a flood of wickedness covering the earth, but yet there is another well to be released, and it's the well of righteousness. I said, there is another well to be released, and it is the well of righteousness. God is going to raise a standard against this. I was so aggravated in January. I couldn't even watch. Couldn't even watch. You know, be angry and do not sin. I was borderline. I'm kind of there now, too. <laughs> couldn't even watch. Many of you, can, there's no secret in this house, right? I'm not talking about anything nobody already knows. But the Lord began to deal with me and saying, it's not over. I'm going to raise a standard against this. I want you to just picture this. Abortion becoming illegal in a Joe Biden administration. They can't blame that on Trump. That was the living God that overturned the slaughter of innocent unborn children. Abortion will come down in this nation in Jesus' name. <laughs> the torch is a symbol of enlightenment. I had to look this up. The statue of the Liberty's torch lights the way to freedom, showing us the path to liberty. Listen with your spirit, guys. The torch is a symbol of enlightenment. The Statue of Liberty torch lights the way to freedom, showing us the path to liberty. The Lord was highlighting the torch because it is the light of God that leads us to the path of freedom. You will never have true liberty if you don't have the light of God. You will never have true liberty if you do not have the light of God abiding within you and in your life and over your life. If you are not walking in the light of God, you are walking in the world's darkness and you are setting yourself up for failure. Even the Statue of Liberty's official name represents her most important symbol, liberty and lighting the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can bring freedom globally to mankind. It's going to be the liberty that the resurrected Messiah gave his people through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And when he gave the power of the Holy Ghost, that is going to be the only thing that redeems America. It's going to be Abba pouring out his spirit in great fashion, great power, great demonstration, and grips the fear, grips hearts with the fear of the Lord and the fire of his love and the fire of his holiness. It's going to be Abba. It's going to be the Lord Jesus when the fear of the Lord takes a sinner out of darkness and puts him in light. We need God. It's either awakening or we perish. That's where we're at in the crossroads right now in the United States of America. Either we have awakening and revival or we're going to perish as a nation. Remember, Jesus will heed the voice of his bride. Yes. Go back to John chapter 2, verse 10. The master calls the bridegroom and he says, man, you've kept the good wine until now. He said, usually people put out the, you know, the good wine first. And when everybody's well drunk, 
drank a lot of it. Then he gives the inferior. Otherwise, then he gives the, you know, the garbage, the wells. Some of y'all got that. I've been delivered. I've been delivered. But he looked at the bridegroom. He says, well, you saved the good wine till now. You know, Jesus is doing that now. The best is yet to come. The fire of God is going to consume this nation in such a fashion. Such a fashion. It's going to blow our minds. We're, Jesus says, not only will the same works that you do that I do, but you'll do greater works than these. You'll do greater works than just getting in a boat and then in a blink of an eye, you're on the other side. Come on, I'm not being too radical. That's what Jesus did. He walked on water. He turned, he turned water into wine. He made the deaf hear. He made the mute speak. He took authority over devils. He didn't counsel them. He even went into the temple and he whipped all of those thieves, all of those robbers out. And he said, it's not my house, a house of prayer. The Lord is cleansing his bride and he's cleansing this nation. Ecclesiastics, chapter 7, verse 8. The Lord says in his word, the end of a thing is better than its beginning. As we read the book of Acts, I don't know about you, when I read the book of Acts, I get a holy jealousy over me. When I read the stories of, and the miracles of Azusa Street Revival, I get a holy jealousy over me. Little kids playing in the glory cloud, trying to, trying to capture the Sakana glory. I get a holy jealousy within me. We're going to see things that far exceed that. We're going to see instantaneous salvations. I mean, where seeds have laid dormant for so long and then heaven rain come and just yields the increase and the fruit of repentance. There's nothing sweeter than the fruit of repentance. He said, the end of a thing is better than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. God has been testing our perseverance in 2020 and 2021. He's forming the new wineskin. Chapter, uh, John chapter 2, verse 11, it says, then he manifested his glory. He poured out. Remember, there was obedience that had to happen first. No matter how silly it looked. And then there was filling the water pots, filling the nations with prayer. And then there was drawing out, drawing out of the well, if you will. I know it's drawing out of the water pots, but we're talking about the well that never runs dry with the Lord. Drawing out the well. He manifested his glory. Awakening has already started globally. It's already started in Australia. Like I said, it's going to look different than what we think. When people come to the realization that their government is going into an antichrist system, people are coming alive. They are waking up. They are realizing the time. They are discerning the time we are in. We look at it as people rioting and protesting against COVID-19 lockdowns, but the Lord is causing a groan inside people. The time is near. Multitudes and multitudes are in the valley of decision. And the wine press is full. As, John, as Joel, Joel chapter 3 says, he manifested his glory. This awakening is going to look so much different. I'm not satisfied with just having good services. I'm not satisfied. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love to come in here and worship. Like tonight was fire. 
I always tell Cody, I don't know how much better it could get. And it does each night. It's crazy. But that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to increase each time we meet. Because as he refreshes us in here, we can go out there and tell them and reveal the light that we were just exposed to. You have to get the transaction from spirit to earth. When you're in here worshiping the Lord, and as his holiness fills this house, there is a transaction. It is the light of God coming onto his people so his people can go out there and manifest the same light that they were just exposed to. I'm hungry for more, and I won't stop until the well of glory is broken open. And I'm going to ride that wave until my Jesus comes back. Maranatha. That's the cry that I have. The idea of this beat-up church is totally unbiblical. We don't have a church that's just going to be holding on for dear life for the rapture as the Antichrist takes the nations. The Bible says in Revelation 19, verse 7 and 8, that she has made herself ready, that she was granted to be arrayed with pure and fine linen, which are the righteous acts of the saints. It is when the gospel is preached throughout the nations, then the end will come. It's when God's people catch a hold of what God is doing, partner with them, go out to the nations and do great exploits. At the beginning of this train, like I said, there has been a war that has broken out in the spirit between good and evil. But the glory of the Lord is going to rise in these coming days. A great rejection. The Bible calls it a falling away. But there's going to be mass salvations. You can't have revival without repentance. I know that's like a bad word in church. Not in this house, thank God. Repentance is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And some water it down. But listen, true repentance produces godly sorrow. But you go from godly sorrow to great joy because there's nothing like the joy of forgiveness. There's nothing like it. When shame is broken off your life, there's nothing like it. Big Pharma in these last days revival, they're going to war against the church. Because nobody's going to be taking pharmaceuticals because the church is going to be out there healing them. The porn industry is going to be warring against the church because nobody's going to be watching that smut because people are getting delivered. The religious system will war against the bride as well because lambs will be turning into lions. The altar of Baal will be thrown down. Because the spirit of Elijah will manifest and the fathers will turn to their children and the children to their fathers and whole households are going to get saved and whole households are going to get saved. There's going to be restorations of families. I'm not prophesying some spiritual utopia because that's not going to happen until Jesus returns and sets up his millennial kingdom. But what I am talking about is the ultimate climax to the war. The Lord's allowed me to hear the war drums. He's allowed me to hear the chariots getting ready. There is great judgment coming. Great judgment is coming. God is beginning to judge this antichrist system as we speak. 
We're going to go from exposure to justice. We are going from exposure to justice. God is beginning to pour out his wrath now on the Antichrist system. And it's only going to increase. You better know your God in these last days. We're going to have great fire, great glory. It's going to be the fire of his holiness, but also the fire of his judgment. And as people realize what's upon the earth, what is reigning on the earth, there is going to be mass salvations. Mass salvations. There are going to be people crying in the streets out to the Lord, calling Jesus Lord. Knees are going to bow in the streets of Sarasota and call Jesus Lord. People are going to get healed of infirmities. People are going to get healed of infirmities. People are going to get delivered from their demons. They're going to let go of their pets and get delivered from their demons. The finger of God will manifest in this nation, but not only in this nation, but across the globe. The Lord is after souls in these last hours. We're in last hours. The Lord is after souls. I heard an old, an old saying, you can go to heaven sick, but you can't go lost. There is a moment in time when grace is cut off. There is a moment in time when mercy is cut off. There is a moment in time when the Lord's patience has ran out and it's time for him to execute great wrath and judgment. John 3 says, he who believes in the Son is delivered from condemnation, right? Delivered from the judgment. But he do not, who does not believe the wrath of God abides on him. You were born in this world separated from God. You were born in this world with a death sentence already, tagged on your back, because Satan stole what God tried to create or what he did create. Satan tried to put something in God's creation that God hates, and that's sin. God hates sin. You were born in this world a sinner, separated from God, no hope. You had absolutely no hope apart from Jesus. But Jesus came that he might give life. Jesus came that you might experience grace. Jesus came that you might be reconciled to God. That you might know your father. That you might have that hole that's in your heart filled with the joy of forgiveness. Friend, we're in the, we're in the era of grace. If you're sitting in this room and you don't know the Lord, you're not here by accident. The Holy Spirit brought you in here. You are being wooed by the Holy Ghost as we speak. The Holy Spirit's main ministry is to reveal Jesus. To reveal Jesus to dead hearts. To take them out of darkness and put them in the light. To take them out of hate and anger and give them love. There's a moment when grace is cut off. There's a moment where God has to judge sin in its fullness. If you're in sin, stop playing around with it. Get away from it. 
Run from it. Flee it. God's not playing games in 2021. And his church needs to stop playing games in 2021. I want every head bowed and eye closed. It's not the will of God that any should perish. But that all would come to the knowledge of God through his son. God created you for this sole purpose. To be in fellowship with him. The meaning of life is to share your life with the one who created everything. To share in the beauty of his majesty. To know the depths of the love that he has for you. If you've never given your life to Christ, Tonight is your night of salvation. The Bible says it is appointed once for man to die. Then come the judgment. When you close your eyes from this earth, there is no blackout. There is no that's it. When you close your eyes on this earth, it's eternity, my friend. If you've never given your life to Christ... Don't be afraid to identify with Jesus. All the apostles, except for one, abandoned Jesus at the cross. John. He was not scared to be identified with Jesus. If that's you in this house, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you have never committed your life to Jesus, I want you to stick up your hand. I want you to stick up your hand. If you've never given your life to Christ, now's the day of salvation, friend. Now is the day to be translated out of darkness and into his light. If that's you, I want you to stick up your hand. Now I'm going to deal with the saint. If you got sin in your life, you need to run from it. Without holiness, no one will see God. Holiness has to come out of relationship. Pray, team, when you get ready. If you got sin in your life, Repent before the Lord. He's a loving father that has his arms open. He wants to restore the joy of your salvation. He'll bring you back to the day you were first saved when you were filled with that love, that joy, and it was so full that you couldn't even contain it. And you just had to go tell everybody. If you got sin in your life, you need to do business with God. Want everybody to stand. If you have sin in your life, it will prevent 
It will prevent the fullness of the wineskin being formed in your life. And you need to give that to God before this next altar call. Just go ahead and do business with them right now. Return back to your first love. Return back to the love of Jesus. Ask him to cleanse you. He says if we are faithful, to, if we are to confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't only forgive you, he also cleanses you. Father, I just ask for that cleansing right now to sweep through. Sweep through your bride. Cleanse your bride, Jesus. I just speak the joy of forgiveness right now to those who repented. The joy of forgiveness to those right now. Everybody look at me. Altar team, if you'd come up here. The Lord wants to do something in this house tonight. I watched the Father's Day outpouring of the Brownsville Revival. The first day it broke out. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be in that building as it broke out? And did you know there were people walking out? That's not a fear-based or to pressure you into staying, but it's saying, Give God this night to do something in your life. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, I want you to come up front. If you need a refreshing wind to blow through your life, I want you to come up front. Because tonight's the night for fresh fire. Tonight's the night where we go from filling the water pots to drawing out. Tonight's the night where we go from drawing water out of the water pots and then we begin to draw out. Why don't you begin to make your way? If you want to be identified with Jesus and catch that fresh fire, come up. There is a refreshing wind of what the Holy Ghost is going to do in this house. And what I really heard is what the Lord really wants to do is restore joy. Listen, the last past 18 months have been filled with so much death. But tonight, the Lord is going to give life. Tonight, the Lord is going to give life. Would you raise your hands before the Lord? Father, I just, I declare your word in this house. And I declare this altar right now, the threshing floor of the Lord, that the fire of God would come burn off the chaff and produce the wheat. 
Father, I ask that you would give fresh baptism of the Spirit right now. Fresh baptisms of the Holy Ghost and fire. If you've been suffering from night terrors or sleep deprivation, I want you to come up front and pray. For, I want to pray for you. The Lord told me there's somebody in here that is suffering from night terrors and sleep deprivation. I, I had to ask my wife. I didn't even know what that was. You have leg spasms. You have joint pain in the ankle. Jesus, have your way. Have your way. We exalt you, Lord. You're beautiful, Lord. You're beautiful, Lord. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Pour out your spirit tonight, God. Take us from another level of glory, God. Take us from another level of faith, God. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, Lord Jesus, come. If you have a need, come to the front. We're going to pray with you.